Welcome back to Teaching Matters, the University of Edinburgh's hub for showcasing, discussing, and promoting teaching and learning. We are a website, podcast, blog, and maybe most importantly, a small group of people passionate about providing platforms for conversations revolving around teaching and learning in higher education. Please head over to teachingmatters.ed.ac.uk to find our latest series, podcasts, and newsletters. I'm Eric Berger, a final year mathematics student and intern at Teaching Matters. I'll be walking you through today's episode on curriculum transformation, an exciting premiere for our learning and teaching conference series. As a student, I love this episode's behind-the-scenes-esque look towards the future of the learning experience. I'm impressed by these decision-makers' openness towards some of our current practices being outdated and the need for change. I'm also impressed with the inquisitive approaches to transformation. The panelists introduce fascinating questions in their discussion, like, in a more ambiguous world, how do we adjust student support? How do Edinburgh graduates view themselves? Does this align with observations from the public? And how do we aim to create an Edinburgh graduate without sacrificing diversity and individuality? These questions and conversation come from the University of Edinburgh's Learning and Teaching Conference. One reason I love, love, love my job is I get to attend this conference and think, huh, what would make a good podcast episode? The Institute of Academic Development's own Kathy Bobel ran the conference and did an absolutely smashing job. I'll let her introduce the series. My name's Kathy Bobel. I'm a senior lecturer in student engagement based in the Institute for Academic Development. I was the lead for the University of Edinburgh's 2021 Learning and Teaching Conference, and we attracted a vast range of fantastic presentations covering work from across the university at the conference this year. And I'm delighted to say that the Teaching Matters will be highlighting many of the presentations and some of the contributors who who were sharing their work more widely at the university over the coming weeks and months. We had presentations that covered a wide range of topics, including building community, innovation in science teaching, equality, diversity, inclusion and social justice, experiential place-based and problem-based learning, assessment and feedback to the future, new lessons in digital teaching, insights from hybrid and online learning, student engagement and involvement, and interdisciplinary learning and teaching local and global challenges. So there's something there I hope for everybody in terms of the topics and the spread of great practice from across the university that colleagues are sharing. So I really encourage you to dip in to some of these contributions and I hope that you'll find something that's of interest and relevance to your practice. Colm Harmon, Vice Principal of Students, kicks things off by discussing the landscape of the modern student experience and the role of university in their personal development. Do our current practices support students the way they intend to? He then details his approach towards curriculum transformation, which involves picking things apart and putting them back together. For me, the the big kind of context and driver uh, is that university students face the challenge of ambiguity in a way that they've never sensed, felt that before. Um, they have more options. All graduates have phenomenal options compared to not being graduates. We always have to remember what university does as a transformative place. 
but the world is also closing in around them. They they face you know more ambiguity in career choices. The typical valves that students have had around emigration and moving between worlds and domains is is getting harder. You know, Brexit's a fantastic demonstration of the way geopolitical influences can change the world of, of our graduates. And, and that sense of, for the first time, the certainty that university education brings isn't anywhere near as definitive and clear as it, it, it should be or has been for the generations that preceded them. So there's a, there's a kind of, a, there's a, kind of a, a meta level context, I think, that we owe our students that, that thinking about what we do in order to sort of offset that ambiguity. There's also several other contexts, I think, that are important. And I think if you attended Carrie Lee Krause's keynote on Monday, she touched on many of these things in, in, in a kind of metaphor around a barometer, that sort of different things uh, are, are pointing uh, north and south at different times, and we have to sort of adapt to that. And again, ex- ex- you know, as I always say, excusing the fact that I'm an economist, I can't really help it. Things like skills matter. We can actually uh, talk more about the way in which what we do has real impact. There's a danger, of course, that if we look too too loudly at the external context, we'll get into a conversation about value that's based upon what students from discipline A earn versus what students from discipline B earn. And that's an important issue for us to rebut. But over and above that question, there is a real evidence base that what we do in the classroom with our disciplines, but what we do around the the disciplines has a real impact on the life outcomes of our students. And not just in terms of what they earn, but in in terms of the citizens they become and and the opportunities that they can get. Critically for, for particular students, it's also about the opportunities that they don't believe they can get that they can start to form. University has an incredible power of helping people think about their future over their present in a way that they they really haven't done beforehand. And and we can play a role in helping students to shape deeper expectations about their own futures. And that's a critical role of a curriculum in terms of how we move things forward. Several other things strike me before I turn uh, to the panel. Challenging students is a, is a critical feature. We are and shouldn't apologize for the fact that we have, have deep and, and excellent traditions in our disciplines. And more importantly, students choose Edinburgh because of that. Uh, they're responding to, the, to, that, to that excellence. It, you know, we, we, we don't like to kind of harp on about rankings and more importantly, you live and die by them. But, but the fact that we are in the top 20 or 30 in the world or whatever it is, depending on the perspective matters. And it should matter both in terms of students choosing to come to us, but also in terms of what we deliver. We shouldn't be afraid of challenging our students and stretching their ambitions in that context. I think there are also issues and trends that we have to be mindful of. We've we've seen, and I think the, the work we're doing right now about shaping a vision of the Edinburgh student or Edinburgh graduate is as much about us trying to hold a mirror up to the institution and say, how has it changed? And how has that been sort of by stealth and that we haven't really allowed what we do as students to catch up? So we have a trend and we see this here very loudly towards more master's level education. We have strong demand for more flexible ways of learning. And yet we, we, you know, we have to question whether we have facilitated that enough. 
there's a concept of kind of lifelong learning that's very different now that 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 university degree is a first step in a lifelong relationship with learning that perhaps again our, our current structures and models don't reflect but also as we've seen in the last in the last year and a half in particular there's an incredible sort of live experiment happening about how campus education is delivered so very big questions about place and community in relation to higher education very big questions of, of like that here at, at Edinburgh and then finally for me by way of kind of context before I let let my colleagues kind of come in is that we have to think about our internal structures and choices do we design what we deliver and how we deliver with the student focus in mind do we design how we assess and how we uh, measure output and how we measure success of students in a way that is helpful and sensible and modern and, and in our thinking are we designing our delivery and, and and workloads in a way that is friendly to staff and that, that reflects you know what will make us a more exciting place to to work in as as a teacher as somebody contributing to that student student journey and arguably you know that's a debate that the university hasn't had for quite some time uh, you could you could characterize well I could characterize and I do characterize the institution as having a very complex offering. It's, it has a very large emphasis on what happens when students come in. They, they filter into almost 500 undergraduate degree programs and many, many hundreds and growing of, of postgraduate degree programs. We, we deliver a very large and complex teaching program. We have conundrums within that whereby students like and respond to the breadth of choice that they have and yet at the same time we have comments from students through NSS elsewhere that says the university is hard to navigate which leads itself to a situation where sometimes student experience is one of serendipity you've made a particular choice it has worked brilliantly and your memory and reflections of University of Edinburgh are outstanding make slightly different choices and it can all sort of unravel because you've been drawn in a particular direction. And we have this wonderful commitment to breadth. And the question for me is whether we really, whether we're really powering up that commitment in a way that is making it as easy and, and sort of hassle-free for students to, to exercise that, that, that commitment uh, or to exercise their choice and to really you know, deliver on that commitment of, of the Edinburgh experience that we hold very dearly. So again, it, it feels like it's time for us to think about those, those questions and, and think about the challenges. Uh, and as I put it in my kind of covering email in our soft launch for what we are doing in the curriculum transformation, think about what we do brilliantly and do more of it. And think about things that we, we don't do so brilliantly uh, and do less of that. And think of the things that we'd like to introduce and be ambitious in that. And that's why this program is one that needs to take its time and and do it right. And so the, the first to finish off the first phase of work for those who are sort of uh, keeping touch with things. And again, we're going to use our curriculum transformation hub to have a sort of a refresh of where we are soon is, is bringing that focus back to to our to our students to have that in, internal self reflection about what we do and how we deliver our programs, but also start the process of thinking about what we'd like to do and what we would like that experience to be and do that think about that in a way that is it, it, hard to do right now because we're so worried about resources and so on but think about a way think about that in a way that's 
you know, as ambitious as it can be. Ideal world, perhaps, maybe too idealistic. But our job later will be to sort of piece the jigsaw together. For now, much better that we think about uh, think about things as ambitiously and creatively and innovatively as possible. And then we can start to really see things that are the hallmarks of what we would like our curriculum to look like. We're, we're, we're quite a distance away from, from real uh, hard choices, and that's good. I think we, you know, this, this academic year and this next kind of six months or so in particular, is going to be a period where we're trying to mop up and absorb like a sponge uh, these views. And, and as I described it earlier to someone, it's like being in the sort of the wide part of the hopper. We, we, we will filter down over time and start to shape our perspectives on, on, on the curriculum. We'll start to see the trade-offs and choices that we will have to make, and they'll become kind of challenges that we have to meet. But for now, we have a kind of a lucky period where the issue is about what we do, how we do it, how we can make it better, and how we can stop doing some things that are acting as blockages. And that sort of creative conversation is one that's going to be formative um, and really incredibly important uh, as we take this, this program forward. Cole mentions the Edinburgh Graduate, which I've learned is a focus in curriculum transformation. My understanding of it is looking at the commonalities amongst graduates and setting goals for what we hope the commonalities of future graduates will be. Richard Andrews, the head of Morey House School of Education, furthers the conversation about the Edinburgh graduate, giving data-based answers to questions like, what skills do recent graduates think future graduates will need? How do Edinburgh graduates conceive of themselves, and how does that differ from public perception? And what's special about Edinburgh, not Bristol, not Cardiff, Edinburgh students? I'll let Richard take it from here. I'm going to be fairly brief, and I've been thinking about the Edinburgh graduate, which probably is the first phase of, of the, whole, the whole project that we're engaged with. Uh, and very much uh, I'm aware that John Turner and the Institute for Academic Development are going to take forward and coordinate thinking about this. But I've, I've been talking to some graduates, uh, postgraduates, undergraduates outside Edinburgh to get a sense of what they think the Edinburgh graduate might need in the rest of the 21st century. So let me just divide this into three very simple parts. First, undergraduate. And some of these will resonate with you as generic. Others, I think, are a bit surprising of what they think the key attributes are. For undergraduate, it would be resilience, autonomy, being an independent thinker, positivity, imagination, adaptability. But a surprise to me was that some financial acuity, for example, the ability to create and read a budget, and understanding, this isn't a surprise, of sustainability, how things relate to each other in an economic or ecological system. And outside views of Edinburgh is that Edinburgh graduates are more mature than their peers, partly to do with the four-year degree. That's something we might want to think about. But the people I talked to didn't think that digital competence was key because current students already have it at 18, but maybe at Edinburgh, given our expertise, our graduates could have enhanced digital competence to take forward into the world. At postgrad level, most obviously subject depth, it's a sexist term, but mastery of a field, uh, more questioning of theory and pedagogy, networking and increased confidence, and, and particularly engagement with industry in the widest sense. 
the Edinburgh graduate then, if just to bring these together, what is special about Edinburgh? And this is from an anecdotal outside view. Edinburgh students are seen as clever, sharp, bright, as border crossing, literally from the perspective of England even, uh, there's a sort of bravery in crossing the border. And uh, one of my respondents said, uh, anyone coming from London and going as far as Edinburgh, because it's safer to go to Oxford, Cambridge and other Russell Group universities, has a sort of adventurous, brave dimension. An Edinburgh graduate might have applied talent, not be insular, be global, be connected. Amusingly, perhaps weather resistant, but finally, the thing that really struck me was that an Edinburgh graduate is brave, courageous, tenacious. And that's something we might want to reflect on as we go forward in this conversation. I'll be reflecting with Richard, but first I'll enjoy the ego boost that has me feeling brave and tenacious as I look to join the group of Edinburgh graduates in less than a year's time. Ian Gordon head of the School of Mathematics, further deconstructs curriculum transformation while representing mathematics students like myself. He introduces curriculum transformation from a college's point of view, and later on gets specific and discusses what the words curriculum transformation actually mean. Hi, I'm Ian Gordon. I'm the head of School of Maths, and I'm on the Curriculum Transformation Board. So as a kind of counterpoint to what Richard was saying and what Colin was saying, I wanted to say a few things that help me to try to understand this from a, a kind of a subject or even a college point of view and I speak with three different voices in this part so one part is as an individual who teaches students and then has this human relationship with students or groups of students there's part of it as a member of the school of mathematics where we are worried about the discipline specific things what students have what knowledge students have access to and also what knowledge they don't have access to. And that's in the context of STEM as well. And then also as somebody in the university trying to understand how what we do fits together as a whole and the things that don't sort of live in schools, but are part of the wider experience in the university. And I think the thing which makes me understand the importance of this project is that I'm not really sure that much has happened in a certain global sense for around a hundred years or so. When I, I was thinking about this and I enjoy, and I miss going to the graduation in the McEwen Hall, particularly with the business school, because I remember as I look up at the ceiling and I see mathematics there and I see mathematicians and then I nudge the Dean of the business school and ask her if they've left off business school from that. That's an example of how things have changed at individual disciplines and the university has reacted to that, but not necessarily in how these things have uh, articulated together. But then even within the disciplines, I don't know if you know what anniversary it is next Wednesday. It's June the 23rd. So probably that will be in the news because it was the day of Brexit. But it's also um, Alan Turing's birthday. And he's the most famous pure mathematician of the 20th century but he's not perceived as a pure mathematician. And so there are things within our discipline as well, which reach very far and transform what our discipline does, but also the students who study our discipline. And he's an example of something like that. And so I think that when I've been thinking about this project, it's been very important for me to focus on the human part of it. So that's what Colm was talking about, about students, the discipline part, which is, I've tried to say a little bit about how that's developed 
but we haven't necessarily put that into a whole, which is in some sense the societal part of this. And then just thinking about the steps that are being undertaken at the moment, the very first thing for me that was important to try to get a grasp of is actually what is this project about? So what is the curriculum? I found the paper that uh, Cathy Bogle wrote was incredibly helpful for that to try to frame the issues that we might be talking about. And then the next part was what on earth does the word transformation actually imply? And then I think that the work towards the Edinburgh graduate that Richard has been talking about is the kind of thing that helps us to hopefully have a common goal that we're able to move towards. And in particular, stops us, you know, always gives us something to guide towards rather than ending up just doing busy work all the time, that we always have something to focus back on. Because undoubtedly, there's lots of things, as Colm has mentioned, around bureaucracy, around agility, around pedagogy, and so on, that we all want to change. And then my last point, just as a head of school then, thinking about that, and this might be hopefully similar for people in other schools, I think my job is to try to act as this mediator or a way in which we can have collective voices of individuals from within the school to help to influence the university. In defining curriculum transformation, Ian cites a paper from the aforementioned Kathy Bobel. You can find a link to this paper in the show notes and blog post for this episode. Lisa Kendall, Director of Academic and Student Administration for CAS, finishes today's episode by introducing her three hopes for curriculum transformation. One thing she talks about is well-being and students cultivating belonging at university. In my experience, both at university and in interviewing researchers on university student mental health, I've learned belonging is nearly essential for positive student mental health, so hearing Lisa talk about it puts a huge grin on my face. I've listened to Lisa's section a few times now. I absolutely love it. She talks about viewing the Edinburgh graduate as a set of values and principles rather than an ideal person, introducing more ways of student involvement, and simplifying the path for students being mutually beneficial for students and staff. Good morning, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Lisa Kendall. I'm Director of Academic Administration in CAHSS. So I actually have lots of hopes and aspirations for this programme. But in order to try and stay sane, I too have started to adopt a rule of three in my approach to planning and prioritising. So on that basis, I have three hopes to discuss today. I am optimistic that the Curriculum Transformation Programme gives us an opportunity to transform our approach in how we articulate graduate attributes and programme outcomes. In our conversations and plans to describe the Edinburgh graduate and the skills to thrive in our complex and uncertain world, I don't expect us to describe one homogeneous graduate. Indeed, our diversity is our strength. But rather that we describe a set of graduate qualities, values and principles that allow students to meaningfully articulate their strengths, skills and experience in a way that is relevant to their chosen path. Our curriculum will be rooted in disciplinary strengths, but as I see this, it's an opportunity to provide a whole system approach where students become confident and active learners who are self-aware and skilled in reflective practice and able to synthesize their learning across all of their experiences in the core, co and extracurricular spaces like Ian was talking about. Many of the conversations at the um, conference this week, which has been brilliant so far, have raised the issue of well-being. And this is a strong theme that's coming out of many of our early programme discussions. 
in what is becoming to be known as the uh, the COVID decade or decade of COVID, I firmly believe that many of our priorities have shifted. But our sense of responsibility to our own self-care alongside that of our local and global communities is genuine and must endure. So a curriculum that fosters well-being is my second hope. Listening to some excellent student presentations at a conference last week, I was struck by the comment that the sense of belonging was most keenly felt when students realized that they were making a contribution and giving something back. And that could be in multiple and different ways, including with their program cohort, society, sport, or working with local community groups. Student and staff well-being can and should flow from offering a range of opportunities for students to develop that sense of belonging. This should include opportunities to create and contribute as active participants in their teaching and learning in an inclusive, respectful, and a trusting environment. In this context, I thought Rowena's comments on Tuesday about learning from our students was incredibly relevant and well-made. Importantly though, we need to provide space to accept vulnerability and learn from failure. And that will support our students to be and to be resilient. Resilience must not be confused with endurance. And the key is to be self-aware and care for yourself so that you can adapt and change. My third hope, and many people won't be surprised to hear this one, stems from our very first plenary on Tuesday when Kerry Lee talked about the importance of curating interdisciplinary approaches so that students can readily navigate their academic path. If we are going to achieve genuine transformation, we must simplify and streamline the pathways and choices for our students, which will also liberate space and time for us to focus on teaching in the ways we want to teach. Colm has referred to this as one of the necessary conditions, and my big hope is for the scaffolding of a fit-for-purpose curriculum management system. We need to reduce the administrative burdens and genuinely simplify the ways in which we validate courses and programmes, and also the ways in which students choose and enrol on their academic path. Now, that really would be transformational. Teaching Matters is brought to you by the University of Edinburgh's Institute for Academic Development. Episodes release every Wednesday. Please follow or subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen and leave a five-star review if you enjoyed today's episode. We'd also be delighted for you to join the conversation. Please feel free to comment on our blog or email us at teachingmatters@ed.ac.uk. Music for today's show is provided by Tune Sounds. Until next time, stay curious.